you are embarking on epicness. That's because this is a one-hour episode with Christo covering the topic of inside coaching. So this is part one of part two. Part two is coming next week. In this first part, Chris is going to delve deep into why and how, if he knew he wasn't going to fail, why did he hire a business coach to begin with? What happens when you make a bad decision? Maybe it's a coach or something else. And also find out if it was worth it. So make sure that you tune in to next week's episode. But first, listen to this. And don't forget, make sure that you rate and write a review so that you can help this podcast grow and get the word out. Enjoy. The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. Today, you, Christo, you're known across the world as the founder of the future. This online business education company that has helped teach 1 billion people and in continuation of helping them make a living doing what they love without losing their soul. We know all about your YouTube channel and its 2 million subscribers and your podcast. But that is so not what this episode is about. What this episode is about is how you walked away from blind an $80 million brainchild of yours, a motion graphics company, and also how you became the future with the help of the how and the who that was behind it here, McLaren, who recently passed away uh, just celebrating his anniversary of his death on August 21st. After going through a lot of research and reading and watching his interviews, What he said was that it doesn't occur to you whatsoever that you can fail and that you just don't overthink things. So I'm curious if he thought and you thought you couldn't fail, why did you decide to hire a coach? Oh, very good. Two parts to this. When I do something, I don't entertain the negative components or the consequences. I only think about the positive which I think is an asset and also a liability uh, because it gives me the the courage to move forward to do that. And it also prevents me from the negative outcomes that prevent a lot of people from moving forward or taking that initial step. Where it's a liability is I don't look at the kind of impact that it might have on the team and the stress it can cause for other people because I always think it's going to work. And it also creates a situation where the, and it's unfair for my wife to always be having to think about like, how might this fail? Or my head of business, uh, Amy, who always like, uh, Chris, but if you do this, then you can't do that. And they, they're always moving the, the chairs, the deck around 
because I'm that person who's like, I have an idea. I'm going to go for this thing, everybody. Everybody, oh, okay, here goes another thing he's going to try. And even if I fail, I don't record it as failure. I just look at it like, here's another way that that didn't work. I'm going to find another way that's going to work. And so, yeah, I, I think here pointed that out to me because I just do it instinctively. And he's like, the reason why you do what you do is because I don't think you've had much failure in your life. And he wasn't giving it to me as a compliment. He was reminding me to remember that regular people fail, have had this taste in their mouth and to demonstrate compassion and empathy for those people and, and try to help them along the way. So there's lots to unpack there. Now, why would I hire a business coach? Because not realizing that you can fail is not the same thing as saying I cannot be helped. Two very different concepts mm. there. And I'll pause there. I want to also just go back because what you said is it doesn't occur to you to fail because you're a bit of a cliff jumper, right? And I am I too. Am. I'm, I'm somewhat ridiculously fearless in that way. But that doesn't mean that, oh, by the way, there's no fire down below. And I think that what you're saying here is that as somebody who is a tireless teacher and is very experimental and is constantly trying things, that's just part of the nature of you. And what it sounds like from what you said is that you could keep going, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're always going in the right direction. And it can exhaust people around. You mentioned your wife, because it can be hard to be, you know, always troubleshooting those questions or ideas as you put them. But the second piece that you just talked about was there's still more, right? Just because you can't fail doesn't mean that there isn't an upside to how you could be doing it. So please continue. Yes. And I want to clarify something. I think I can fail a lot in physical endeavors. Like if you were like Chris, go summit uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest. I'm like, I might fail. I could die. I could lose limbs. That's not something I'm ready for. Let's go skydiving, Chris. I'm like, no, the chute could not open. I could fail. And I worry about that. I can fail as a husband. I can fail as a father. I can fail my personal relationships. So I just want to make sure everybody understands. Like in terms of like my business endeavors, my artistic pursuits, I don't think there's such a thing as failure. And, and that's what pushes or propels me forward. Now, if I want to do something, which I, there's many things I want to do, I realize that I can get there. And it's a question of time, money, and resources. But if I want to get there faster, what I do is I, I've already learned this lesson is you spend money to lessen the amount of friction and pain that you're going to experience. Let's take it to a level which everybody can understand. In America, you go to high school and that's kind of the end of your requirement to, to study. After that, you can do whatever you want. You can actually even fail out of high school if you want and not continue on. And then what we do is we elect to pay money to go to college, university, in my case, a private art school, so I can learn something. You could say that, well, you could have learned that on your own. It could have taken you 10 years. There's many different ways of doing that, but that's the path I chose. I chose to pay the tuition to go to a four-year private art school to learn what it is I need to learn. And those are, at, like, again, two independent ideas. There's some overlap, but they're, they're, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. Like, you can do both. You can fail in school. You can fail in paying to learn in, in, in every combination thereof. So are you suggesting that the reason why you chose here was so that you could get there faster? Yeah. 
uh, that was one of the reasons. There are many other reasons. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and you probably have heard me say this before, is uh, entrepreneurship is a pretty lonely endeavor. There's your partner in, in life, in this case, my wife, who isn't in the day-to-day grind with me at this point. And so she has opinions about lots of things that neither of us are business people who went to art school together. And it's kind of like the dumb leading the deaf. It's like, what are we doing? I, I don't know. We're just making our best guesses at everything, how to bid, how to get on a conference call, how to pitch and win, how to pitch and lose. We don't know what we don't know. So when I heard about the concept of a business coach, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I, I'm, let's try. And it happened to be that we were in a good financial situation at that point where we upgraded lots of things, uh, hired a CPA, hired a financial advisor, hired a business coach all in the same year. And so that was the year of spending, but also in receiving as well. And mm. I want to know what I don't know. And I want to be able to talk to another person who has seen more, who has done more, where I can say, I'm thinking about this concept where I want to hire this person. Am I making the right decision? That takes away a lot of anxiety. Mm. So no, you can speak to someone who has the experience, who, could, who is trained to speak to you and give you sound counsel. And that's why I hired the business coach. I love what you said about receiving, right? Uh, that you're not just spending the money, you're receiving something in return. And so what I would love to understand is what specifically, if you had to pick out a couple of things, did you receive and or learn from Kier? And what do you think that you are applying most today? I can go down the list of things. So we'll, we'll go and I'll stop when you're like, okay, that's enough. Because there, there could be many days worth of conversation here in terms of what I learned from Kier. Uh, the first time that I met Kier, he saved me from making a horrific business decision. And I learned some very important things. So I was telling him about a business venture that I was about nine-tenths of the way through. We're at the contract stage where I need to sign in that it's official. And, and I don't mean to use the word partner in a colloquial sense. It's like literally we are partners. We own a company together. We share in profit and there's equity ownership and all that kind of stuff. And it's a very complicated legal structure. And I was telling him about it. And he said, through a series of questions, uh, is this really what you want to do? There are easier ways to make money that have better guarantees that bring you zero stress. And so he drew it to focus, like, what the heck am I doing? What I learned from that conversation with him is, number one, if you want to coach somebody, just ask them questions about what they want and make sure that their answers align with their overall belief system, which clearly it did not. Number two is that as committed as you are emotionally to something, it, it's never too late to change your mind. And he gave me permission to change my mind, to go against my word, because I had said to this person, let's go in business together. And we're, we're kind of at the, the chapel and we're about to say our vows and to say like, you know what? Uh, I have cold feet, I have to exit versus the momentum of that moment pulling you in. And so in that one conversation, he saved me from a disastrous business decision. He allowed me to think clear. He gave me permission to change my mind. And he taught me what a coach does, which is to ask really great questions. And really in a very efficient way, he only asked me three questions, taught me like, this is what it means to be a coach. And that was just our very first meeting. Wow. I love this also because when I had the great fortune of meeting with you in London, you said, the reason why people hire coaches 
is because they buy themselves some objectivity. And having somebody who is surrounding you, who's not in it, in it, in it, and clearly has less emotional attachment, allows them to see things, ask deliberate questions, and then, of course, you have new answers. So that's awesome. And as either that example or a different example, in your day-to-day life, like, are you thinking to yourself, Kier taught me this, or Kier gave this to me, and now, you know, this is a top of mind thing. I Now I own this information and I get to apply it. And what might that be? I am the byproduct of many teachers and mentors and coaches. Some are related to me. Some I, I work with on a professional level, but I carry those lessons with me. And I think of myself as a really good student. So the first part of being a good student is being a great listener and making sure you understand and process the lesson as it was taught to you. And I think mm-hmm. I've done that. And it was affirmed to me on several occasions where Kier said, you are the best student I have and I'm blowing smoke up your butt. And the first time he said it, I was thinking, sure, sure you say this to all of your clients. And I just smiled and said, thank you. But he kept saying, because he, he could read my face, uh, not, not on the same day, but on different occasions. One time I asked him, Kier, uh, why am I your best student? He goes, because you just do what I tell you to do. I'm like, and why is that being a good student? I'm not like getting A's here. I'm just doing what you say. And it didn't make any sense to me. So I asked him like, what is the point of hiring a coach to solicit advice and then not do what the coach says? He goes, well, you'd be surprised. But here you're the anomaly. You're not the rule. Because he's been coaching for a number of years with a number of different clients. He says, sometimes people will take a year to implement one thing that I asked them to do. And I was just shaking my head. What a waste of time and money. And he smiled and he didn't have the same judging tone. And he said, wouldn't that drive you crazy? And he goes, no, because I know how difficult it is to make a big decision. And so then I started to understand that from him, that it was rare for a person to be able to just listen and do without questioning, without the knowing of the whys and all the hows and the step-by-step instruction. He would just say, you need to go and do public speaking. And then I just volunteered. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask him like, what, what's the big deal? What's the concept? How do you know this will work? What evidence do you have? Who else have you coached to do public speaking? And this is where I find myself a lot with people that I coach. I'll say, you need to do this. And like, why? How? They want evidence. They want proof. And so I, I really am now starting to understand that, oh my gosh, he's been talking about this for years with me, that people just don't want to move. They like talking about change, but they don't change. I echo this sentiment in in such a big way, especially with respect to a lot of the executives that we coach. They want so much that work. They want so much that position. And I'll go back and I'll check their LinkedIn before a call or I'll, you know, ask to see something. And they're like, oh, I, I, I didn't get around to it. It's like, well, don't you want this position? Like, this is yours. You, you are in this opportunity. If you do not go for it, somebody else will. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that the idea of having a coaching relationship to me means you need to be coachable, which means you are putting your trust, your money, your time into this person. They're not like waiting around to save their best idea. Right? Like they're giving you their best idea every time. It's not like, whoops, so uh, let me, let me like bring this one out of the leftover bin. 
you know, they're coming to you every time with something that is going to address your, your urgency. And when you were going through this process, because it sounds to me like you were working with him, what, in about, for about 20 years? 13 years. 13 years. So that's a long time. Every single week time. for 13 years is a long time. Wow. Wow. 13 years. Amazing. How did you decide that he was the one, right? I mean, how many did you talk to? Were you kicking tires for a long time? What was that selection process like? Because as a point of reference, and you may have heard me say this before because I still think it's mind-boggling, the coaching industry right now is at like a growth rate of 7% annually. It's out of control. I think it's approximated at like $21 billion. And there are 9.1 million coaches of various coaching strains out there on LinkedIn. So if you're somebody who's looking for an executive coach, a business coach, a sales coach, a communications coach, a leadership coach, whatever, how do you go through that level of volume and make a decision? My answer would not surprise you, Lauren. The day I heard the term business coach was the day I decided to hire one. I was having lunch with a friend. He looked like he was in pretty good spirits. I asked him, what's going on with your life? If he told me I went on a carnival I w- or cruise, I would have gone on a cruise. Uh, whatever he said, he's like, I hired a business coach. I'm like, who is it? Hey, can I have their number? He gave it to me. I went home, talked to my wife. I said, I'm going to call this guy. And he, she goes, okay. I called him. He came and I did zero vetting. I did zero shopping around. I met with him that first time. He helped me from making that business decision, that partnership. And he gave me the terms. They were a little funny to me because I'd been used to buying things in units of time and he didn't sell time mm-hmm. in a way. He said, you basically need to work with me for a couple of months and I'm going to charge you this amount per month, whether you meet me or not. And I remember discussing it with my wife. We kind of had some like, what? This is kind of weird. What if we go out of town? And he says, you're going to have to make a decision, right? Because he wasn't dealing with any of my questions. He just wasn't having it. He's like, you want to hire me or not? That's up to you. He didn't say it like that, but he's just basically, Chris, I don't really get into this. You either hire me or you don't. And at that time, it wasn't an insignificant amount of money. You know, it was like a few thousand dollars. So I was like, okay, let's go. I'm there, from, from spending zero and not even thinking about it to less than a week, I've already hired my first business coach. And we just keep working together. And I remember being kind of excited uh, talking to my older brother after just that first meeting. And my older brother's a computer science software developer, super intelligent guy. I'm like, oh, I hired a business coach. He's like, who's this person? Where'd he go to school? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't ask. What has he done? What are his credentials? Who are his clients? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, before you get too excited, you might want to look into that. And so my brother has a very analytical mind. And he's asking me all these questions. I'm like, it didn't occur to me. I'm not even that curious. I'm just going to go for it. And in case you're thinking, Chris, you're just some weirdo. This is an anomaly. Maybe, but I also hired my personal trainer coach. The first person I talked to that I wanted to work with and I didn't vet anything, whatever the plan was, I'm just going to do it. Okay. I hear you. Yes. You got the first one through a referral, right? And so I'm curious, have you hired a new business coach since this time? I have Still not. A one and done. Reason. It's one and done. It's 13 years in. And, you know, again, to be consistent, one day I ask here, 
Kira, I want to work with a therapist. And he goes, what for? I'm like, yeah, I just, I need to learn how to be a better father and a parent. He goes, great. Here's the person. I just hired that person. I've worked with that person and I've never worked with another person. It's the same. And you're going to see this consistent theme. I ask for help. Somebody says, use this. I just do it. And you, you notice that this is a pretty big difference to how normal folk work, right? They're like, um, what are the credentials? Let me read this. Let me think about it. And I think all that time is time you waste. You're out there shopping for the perfect solution. And when you find it, you'll think this is not the perfect solution. And you'll, you'll keep thinking, oh, I want something else. This is not, and you just go from thing to thing and you don't really make a lot of progress. I'm the same way when it comes to the restaurant. My wife's like, what are we going to order? I'm like, whatever. Oh, you don't know what you ordered? I just saw this. I'm just going to order this. It's just one meal. I, I don't want to spend more calories. You are an anomaly. You, you are an anomaly. But at the same time, I mean, you have people that are pitching you all the time. You don't yeah. take everybody who oh, not comes to you and you pitch them first. And they pitch you and you, you're like, okay, one and done. You're probably yeah. way more discerning than that on the other end. Yes. Yeah, but no? that's a difference. There's a difference there. When somebody's selling me something that I didn't want or ask for, that's a totally different situation. But when I'm looking for something, I'm like, I want that pair of pants and I focus and I'm, I want that car. Or I'm just going to do that. I don't need to like ask a lot of questions. I, I just don't work that and way. And that sure-footedness comes from your own internal what? Like what gives you that permission? Because I don't know about you, but I work with a lot of people and they deliberate OMG. They want to know, can I guarantee it? Is it perfect? What if this happens? What if that happens? So how is it that you have, or like you said, is this just a genetic anomaly? Like you're just born like with a very, very keen laser prison decision-making you know, capability? Or is this something that you... If you were coaching somebody to select a coach, would be able to say, you know, there's a process here. Mm, I guess there, there's a lot of confirmation bias here, Lauren, because even going to art school, my boss at that time told me to go to art center. I'm like, okay, I don't even know where art center is. He said, it's somewhere in LA. I'm like, oh yeah, it could be the worst school in the world. But I said, I'm going to go to art center. I started telling people, I'm just going to go to art center. I don't know the tuition. I don't know the, the program, the curriculum. I know nothing except for Art Center LA, right? And so I, I tell my parents who start doing research. And I'm like, totally, this is like, I'm talking to like the like 1.1111% of people and how they make decisions. I thought I was fast, but you're, you are really like Johnny on the spot. I don't know. I just, I'm going to do that. And then I go to Art Center. All right, before I go to Art Center, I go to City College and they're like, where do you want to go? I just write down Art Center. I've never visited a campus. I've not looked at the catalog. I know nothing, Lauren. All I know is my former boss said, go to Art Center. I'm like, okay. I remember, I remember this. And I'll tell you this. I haven't told this story very often. My high school yearbook teacher, who also taught Com Arts, Mr. Uh, DeVita, I had him for Com Arts in, as a freshman. And a lot of people are like, oh, uh, you should become a graphic designer. Like, no, those are losers. They're going to just be broke. Like, don't even insult me, bro. I'm going to be rich and, you know, I'll, I'll do the regular stuff. And then I, in my junior year, I, I went back in and I took the yearbook because that fascinated me for some reason. Didn't know anything about desktop publishing or typesetting or photography or journalism. But I'm not, let me just take this class. It seems kind of fun. And I remember when I was applying uh, to schools, 
I eventually told him that I'm going to go to Art Center. He goes, oh my God, Chris, if you can get to Art Center, that'd be great. Also, having realized I was turned down by the three schools that I applied to, I was rejected by UCLA. I was rejected by UC San Diego and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And it's just because I had no idea what I was doing. And so he was, I know what he was thinking. You didn't get into any of these other schools that are not even focused on design. And you're telling me, and I didn't know at the time, you're going to get into one of the top design schools in the country. And he's like, if you can get there, I mean, he didn't want to rain on my parade, but if you can get there. Uh, that's going to be really good for you. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go there. And I, this is just my life. So everything is just like, I make a decision, I'm going to go. If I get in the car, the kids are always like, where are we going to go? I'm like, wherever we go. We don't have to sit here and have a whole discussion about it. And we went back and back before the pandemic, back when I had a bigger office and, and we were making commercials for a living. One of the rules of lunch club is like fight club. Do not ask lunch club where lunch club goes. You get in the car or you don't. Do not complain about where lunch club goes. Do not second guess it. We just get in the car and we all say something and I just drive and we wind up there. Because we had this whole thing where everybody's like, oh, so what are you going to need? Uh, I'm thinking about this. And they have this 10, 15 minute discussion. I'm like, yo, guys, you just wasted 15 minutes of your lunch. I'd rather eat lunch and have a conversation than sitting around here. So we would ban every single person with question. And it came down to three people and we'd go to lunch and we'd have a great time. And it, it was just easy. There's bigger things so to do here. There is. And time is precious, of course. It's non refundable as well. Yes. So my question to you is, was Cure worth it? Sounds like you didn't really take a risk because you didn't, you know, have have too much concern about making a bad decision. You're just like, okay. And it always I, works out. I actually have mad respect for it because it says to me that there's a certain level of you're going to work with what you have. Yeah. You have an opportunity to work with a business coach. He wasn't, you know, a basketball player and he was in the scope of what you were looking for. You were going to work with what you had and make it happen regardless of who, when, how, why, whatever. But was it worth it? Was it worth your time? Was it worth your money? Was it worth your vulnerability? Was it worth asking for help? Was it worth it? People want to know, is mm. coaching really worth it? Mm. Okay. You know, I, I want to clarify something. I was even looking for a coach. Like I told you, like the first time I heard the term business coach was at lunch. And that's when I'm like, oh, maybe I should do this. Lauren, let's put it this way, okay? Let's say you're having lunch with somebody and it's an older person and they're full of life. Their vitality scores off the charts and their skin looks amazing and they're like crystal clear in their thinking. And you're like, friend, what are you doing differently that I'm not doing right now? How are you living this amazing life? They're like, well, I went into the mountains. I talked to this guru who told me to eat this berry. You're like, where's this mountain? Who is this guru? What's the berry? I'm just going to go there. Now, other people are like, uh, what kind of berry? Uh, what science studies? Uh, who is this guru? And is he a scam artist? Is she a scam artist? They go through all this whole process. Like, this person at lunch was glowing to me. Said, I hired a business okay. coach, double my business. I'm like, I'm in. You had me at double my business that I just hired. I, I didn't even have the intention to hire anybody because I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Okay. The biggest, so hardest you thing. You were attracted. So here you go, right? Yeah. If you are seeking a coach, help me here if I get off the rails. If you are seeking a coach, in your case, what happened was this person was an embodiment of the experience that he was having with this coach. Not just like cha-ching, cha-ching, but he was radiant. He was happy. He was feeling a sense of promise. 
hope, excitement, all those things. And so maybe that happened with your trainer. Maybe that happened with your therapist. You are living through the experience of somebody else's successful experience. Is that fair? Uh, possibly, possibly. You remember that movie when Harry met Sally and Meg Ryan says, you know, women fake oh, orgasms yeah. all the time and Billy Crystal's like, no, I don't believe it. And she's like, Whoa! she starts moaning and everybody's like, <gasps> and then the funny line is, I'll have what she's having. What she's having. I didn't even know what she's having, but I'm going to have it. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. When somebody achieves something that you want, put your brain together, reverse engineer it because as Jim Rohn said, success leaves clues. Just go pick up the clues. And this is what boggles my mind and why I think there's a lot of room for coaches to be successful because I guess what you or I or others do intuitively, people struggle with. And we can get into that. But to answer your other question is, was it worth it? So I'll tell you if it's worth it or not in a story. So that first year in which we worked together, Kira had me run through what I thought was a pretty refined process of how we pitch. Because at this point, I think we're doing about two and a half million dollars every year for a couple of years, I'm like, man, that's pretty good. You know, for a kid for, uh, from Vietnam living in Silicon Valley who thought the most I'd ever make was $100,000 a year, bringing in $2 million, $2.2 million was like, this is beyond. I already bought my first house and I'm not even five years out of school, you know, and this is wonderful. And I described to him how we pitch new business. And then he tells me uh, in, in so many words, just kiddo, you're doing this all wrong. How do you know what people want if you don't ask them? So this is a gigantic lesson of my life. And I, I, and I thought, and I'll tell you this, because I always laugh at my students when they pull the same maneuver that I used to pull, which is, Kira, I didn't know you could do this. I thought there was a rule that you can't literally ask people what they want. You know, if you're in a relationship, especially if you're dating someone, uh, you're supposed to like intuitively know that they want that pair of shoes or that kind of dessert, because you're supposed to pay such careful attention. This is like a fallout or a, a byproduct of the romanticism. Like you're supposed to just know things with, without words, right? Like when I had a girlfriend, she's like, you're supposed to know these things. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Just tell me what you want. It's much easier if you just tell me. And so I'm like, I, I can't ask them. I'm not some kind of cretin. I went to art school. I know how to do stuff. You're telling me this whole time I could just ask people. And if I don't want to work with them, I can just say, I don't feel comfortable. He goes, yes. And that was a ginormous paradigm shift for me that I could just say what it is that I was thinking. And I'll tell you right now, Lord, it created a lot of tension for my team. Mm -hmm. It created a lot of tension for the people who were on the call. But I was so comfortable in myself. I'm like, I don't care if you feel uncomfortable. In order for me to do my job, in order for us to win this, y'all have to just shut up. So I told my team, don't say any words. If you mess this up for me, uh, I'm not gonna have you on the call next time. Because you're uncomfortable with it doesn't mean I'm not, or I am. Mm. And then we would tell clients, in order for us to really understand what it is you want, I'm going to have to ask you lots of questions. So this could take some time. And I even tell them, for some of you, it would be very uncomfortable because I'll just ask you very direct questions. At any point in which it feels too uncomfortable for you, let me know. So I prepare them. I'm priming them for what's about to happen. And then I ask question after question. And these are not like random kid questions. When you say you want to totally go in a different direction than the previous nine years of you doing this, tell me what you're thinking precisely because all I can see is a slight change from what you did before. And they're like, you're right. When we say we want to totally refresh this, these are just words we use. 
And then they have to really think. And you hear that long period of silence. And what's kind of interesting is afterwards, people would say things like, we've never been asked these kinds of questions before. You made us really think. And here's the crazy thing, Lauren. We went from winning only 20% of the jobs to winning like 85% of the jobs. So our close rate quadrupled. Money was just falling on our face. And that year, we went from 2.2 million to 3.9 million, and we never looked back. If you put that into like numbers here, so we increase our revenue by almost $2 million, 1.7. But that knowledge that I gained from just a few coaching sessions with Kier would translate over the next 12 years. Right. Right? Because right. the great thing about learning something just, is yes. it's a tool. You could probably amortize that and go, oh, okay, you know, over this period of time. I mean, you don't need to do that. Please don't. But my point is, is that that's the gift. Yes. In that story, of course, you had to readjust. You had to probably get back down to ground zero and then rebuild it, which, of course, took time and effort and probably a lot of retooling with your team. <laughs> but <laughs> say the least, right? But then look what happened. It set a new trajectory. That <laughs> is a great story. And clearly, it was worth it. So to answer the, the original question is, was it worth it? So in my mind, Kier already paid for himself for the next 10 years. So I didn't really care what we did. We could talk about what's on TV for all I cared because I'm a value buyer. I'm not a price buyer. Now, if I was a different person, right. well, great. Uh, next month, when I don't need him. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to end this relationship. And that's not how I operate. I know some people do it this way. They're like, great. I got uh, two months worth of coaching, uh, a major breakthrough, and then they just cut and they, they run. And Hormozzi talks about this all the time. He goes, Find something that works and then stop doing it. That's the surefire way to fail. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools, not tomorrow, right now. And share them by spreading the love. Leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next Career Blast in a Half. Most of all, thank you for you.